0: Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. If you got to say, I got it. Verses 3 and 4, it says, They said to me, Nehemiah, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. Everybody say "broken broken down. And its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. We're going to start a series that's going to kick off this year, 2020. It's called Rise Up and Build. Rise up and build. Everybody say it with me. Say, rise up and build. Look at somebody around you. Say, neighbor, it's time to rise up and build. Will you pray with me? God of heaven, we petition you. We honor your presence in this place. We fill you. To worship you is our life's purpose. It is by your will and for your pleasure that we exist. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. God, we ask that in 2020 that you would submerge us. You would dive us into your presence like never before. God, that we would be submitted to you. That we would love you more deeply. We'd serve you more fully. We'd follow you more closely. God, may the words of our mouths and the meditation of our heart be acceptable to you, our Lord, our strength, our Savior whom we trust. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, why don't you take your seats and say, I'm ready for the word. If for some reason you were not here last week, we delved into the new theme for 2020 and it's basically this, it's whole church 2020. Everybody say whole church. church. Uh, As I was praying about the year, one of the things that the Lord told me is this little sentence and this little sentence is going to animate it's going to illuminate what we do for the entirety of this calendar year and he said it takes a whole church when he said it takes a whole church that obviously means in one context that it takes everybody involved within the context of the church amen it takes everyone to be involved how many of you know that we need everybody to be involved in the context of the local church if you've been wondering am i going to be used In this church. If you've been wondering, am I going to have the opportunity to volunteer to do what God has called me to do? Let me tell you, it takes a whole church. In 2020, you will. You will be set loose and you will be sent out and commissioned in a way never before in these past few years. You are going to be sent out because it takes a whole church. Everybody say whole church. But the double entendre is it's not just takes a whole church as an every member, but it takes a whole church. It takes a healthy church. It takes a complete church. It takes a mature church. How many you know that before we can grow outwardly, before we can grow as far as width, before we can grow and get bigger, before we can grow and get better, we have to get healthier, church. So that means our spirit, our souls, our bodies, our minds, our will, our emotions, our families, our finances, our vocation and our witness. We are going to grow in all these ways. Whole church. Everybody say whole church. It is encountering the whole Christ to build a whole community so that we can serve our whole city. Encountering the whole Christ to build a whole community so that we can serve our whole city. Everybody one more time. Say whole church. And as I was praying about it, I said, God, how do we want to start the year? Because, you know, we have to begin with the end in mind, right? If you're going toward a direction, you have to start deliberately towards that direction. And God moved me toward a little book in the middle of the Old Testament. And probably if you had your paper Bible, those pages are probably stuck together. I don't know many people who are reading Ezra and Nehemiah for their personal devotions. But he He took me to this book of Nehemiah and he said, observe the story of Nehemiah because there is something in the book of Nehemiah that my people here at New Dimensions Christian Center need to hear. There is something in the book of Nehemiah. There are some lessons and some practical principles that are going to animate us for the year and they're going to set us on the course of where we're supposed to be going. And so as I dived into the example of of Nehemiah, the history of Nehemiah, as, as some of you may know, Nehemiah was a cupbearer, right? Nehemiah was a cupbearer in the court of the king. He was a cupbearer in the court of the Persian king named Artaxerxes. And Artaxerxes was king because Persia overthrew Babylon. And after Persia overthrew Babylon, after a period of 70 years, they sent out 50,000 Jews, 50,000 men, women, and children from the tribes of Israel to go back to their home country, to go back to Jerusalem, so that they could rebuild the temple. And so Artaxerxes decided that he would send Ezra out, the prophet Ezra, Ezra and Nehemiah, basically twin books are tied together, sends Ezra out to rebuild the temple. But there was a problem after 14 years, the walls still weren't built. The walls were broken down. Fire had consumed the outer protection of the city. And this situates us in the place of Nehemiah. Nehemiah hears about this. And then in our text, Nehemiah responds. We're going to talk about that response. And I want to tag this text. Something's broken. Something's something's broken. Here's what we see in the context of Nehemiah, the entire book is about returning, rebuilding, and restoring. Everybody say, returning, rebuilding, and restoring. How I many you know? sometimes we don't need a new word. Sometimes we need to apply the old word that we've received. Sometimes it's not that we need some new revelation and information and knowledge. Sometimes we just need to return to what God has already told us. And this is what Nehemiah is all about. He's all about returning back to the homeland rebuilding the walls, and then also restoring the hearts of the people. How I many of our hearts need to be restored? We can't enter into a new year without restoring our hearts. And then there's this little verse in Nehemiah chapter 4. And I said, if this doesn't sum up what is going to be necessary for new dimensions, then nothing else will. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6, it says, For the people, at the end of the verse, for the people had a mind to work. For the people had a mind to work. Does anybody believe in the idea of whole church? Anybody believe in the idea of whole church? You believe it? Well, let me tell you, whole church will require whole work. If you desire to have a whole anything, that will require effort. It will require work. It will require a mindset, a perspective shift that is not just going to come to you. You're going to have to go get it. Do you hear me, church? It's not just going to come to you just because you declared it. You have to go get it. You have to do what God has called you to do. The people had a mind to work. Something's broken. Something's broken. Anyone ever broken something? Yeah? Anybody broken something this year so far? It's already four days, five days in. You've already broken something? I'll never forget, you know, has anyone ever broken a bone? Anybody ever broken a bone on your body? You know, I'll never forget one of my uh, friends when I was growing up. He was the same age as me, and his father actually worked on staff years ago. And I believe this was like 96, 97. We had a Wednesday night Bible uh, study service. And then we went back to our offices at the time, which were at Garden Street. And so our offices were um, at Garden Street. And so we went up to these offices to pick up some stuff. And so we really got along. His name was Daniel. And Daniel, we just had this vibe. I mean, he was just my first best friend. He was my road dog. And I think it was because we were both introverts, but we were extroverts when we were around people. We understood things. We were curious. And so I always wanted to try to go over and hang at his house. And one of the reasons I wanted to do this is because he had five brothers. Hear me. Five brothers. Okay. He had, there were six boys in that house. And they were all a year apart. And so I was like, man, this is so much fun. Now, at the time, I was an only child. So I was like, man, being around all these people, I don't have any siblings, so this is fun to me. And I'll never forget, we were begging my mom. We were begging my mom, said, can, can Tyler come over? Can I come over and hang with them tonight? Can I spend the night over at their house? And, you know, they were like, look, we, you, you got to get up in the morning. I don't think it's going to work. We got to do this. You got an appointment. So we kept begging. We kept begging. Please, 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 please. And eventually they said, OK, fine. We'll let you do it. Now, Daniel and I were so excited that we took off running down the hall. And there was this long hall filled with offices. And at the end of the hall, it's this little AC unit that's just sitting out there. So what we were going to do is we were going to turn the corner and go down the stairs. But there was a problem. Daniel had taken off running before me, but he had had untied shoes. And so right as he was getting ready to turn the corner to go to the stairs, he trips and falls face forward into the AC unit. And I'm going to tell you, i had never heard a scream like that before in my life. His forehead opens up and there's blood everywhere. And that was the first time I had seen someone break anything. That was the first time I had seen a graphic picture of something being broken. I had never seen that much blood. I had never seen that much panic. Luckily, he was fine. He got some stitches. He was patched up. He was playing later on that night or earlier the next morning when he got home from the hospital. But the truth of the matter is, when you break something, it's messy, right? When you break something, there is chaos. When you break something, there uh, there there is trouble. When you break something, there is panic. Something is broken. Are you broken? Are you broken? Is there something in your life that you desire for God to fix? Is there something in your life that over the past few years has been besetting you and now you think that you're in 2020, something's going to change in your life? 2014, there was on Twitter this meme, and this meme Basically started this idea. This meme was a young woman who was going to leave behind jealousy, fake friends, negativity, heartbreak, temper and hate. And she was going to walk into 2015 with God, with love, with focus, with peace. Anybody ever seen this meme? And it started this movement. New year, new me. Anybody ever heard that? New year, new me. So everybody just started declaring it. Every time January 1 hit, they would just change the dates at the bottom of the picture. And they would say from 2015 to 2016, new year, new me. From 2016 to 2017, new year, new me. From 2018 to 2019, new year, new me. And sure enough, now people are saying it again. New year, new me. And my question is, what about this year is going to be different from last year? What about this year is going to change? What about this year is going to be fixed? Are you broken, church? Is there something in your life that is dysfunctional? Is there something in your life that has a problem, that is producing results that are against what God has called for you to do, and how are you going to fix it? Something is broken. Sure enough, there was this show that I came across when there was a gospel artist who was going through some social media drama and they send her to this woman. Put that slide up. Do y'all know this woman, Ian Levanzan. You know, I'm gonna tell you, I had heard her before, but I'd never watched her show. Her show was called Fix My Life, and it's on Oprah's own network. Now, let me tell you, this is a very entertaining show. So, <laughs> somebody say, "Yes, it is." I got a DVR at home. I gotta catch up on season nine. I was like, you know, this is really interesting. So she walks through Leandria Johnson's whole life. She basically unpacks all the dirty laundry of Leandria Johnson. Some of that stuff, I felt uncomfortable. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know if I should be hearing this. I don't know if I should know this much about your life. But the truth of the matter is, what happened is she was able to uncover some things that helped her grow. And I was like has this been a show for years? And then I found out it's been on for nine seasons. I found out it's award-winning. I found out that all kinds of people have been on the show, that some of the biggest and brightest stars in the black community have come to have Ian Van fix their lives. And I said, what makes this show so fascinating? What makes this show so compelling? What makes this show so popular? The reality is everyone, wants to be fixed. Everybody wants to be fixed. Everybody wants their lives to be improved. And watching someone else gives us hope that the same thing can happen for us. Watching someone else succeed gives us just a glimmer of optimism that God could do it for us as well. And so I said, that's so interesting. Fix my life. But is that how God operates? If you're broken, does God fix you? If you're broken, does God put you back together? If you're broken, does God take those broken pieces and put them in the places they should be? Let's just take an informal poll. How many of you would say, that's God's, that's God's modus operandi. God, whenever there is something broken in our lives, God fixes our lives. How many would say that? How many of you all say, nah, God don't work like that? Nobody's brave enough to do it, huh? (laughs) Let's take a look at what happened when Nehemiah found out something was broken. Nehemiah found out something was broken. Let's see how God deals with it. Let's see how the Lord leads Nehemiah to deal with it. Fix my life. Look at the text. The posture of Nehemiah. Look at this text. It says... That they said to Nehemiah, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. Everybody say broken down. (laughs) Something's broken. What is it? It's the wall of Jerusalem. And its gates have been burned with fire. Everybody say fire. When I heard these things, what happened? I sat down and I wept. Why is Nehemiah weeping, church? Think about it. Why is he upset? The temple had been rebuilt by Ezra. The temple had been reconstructed. People were back in Jerusalem. Why was Nehemiah so upset? Well, Nehemiah's job was to, to be the cupbearer. Nehemiah's job was to taste all the wine before it got to the king. And this was used as a safety precaution because just in case someone wanted to poison the king, Nehemiah would die first and they know not to drink that wine. I mean, no, that's not a job many people are be being volunteering for, right? That's not a job I'm going to choose. Hey, the pay is good. You might die, but hey, it's all good. I'm like, no, that's not, that's not it for me. But a lot of people have used Nehemiah as just a ceremonial role. He's just the cupbearer, of course. But the reality is, Nehemiah wasn't just the cupbearer. Nehemiah was a trusted advisor to the king. Nehemiah had deep knowledge of history. Deep knowledge of geography, deep knowledge of the history of the Persian Empire and the Jewish Empire and the Babylonian Empire. And this is why Nehemiah is so upset. Nehemiah is so upset because he knows that the king sent with the prophet Ezra all the resources that were necessary to rebuild the city. The king sent all the resources that were necessary to rebuild the city. Take a look at it. Ezra chapter 7 verses 14 through 18. For you are sent by the king, you Ezra are sent by the king and his seven counselors to make inquiries about Judah and Jerusalem according to the law of your God, which is in your hand. Watch this. And also to carry the silver, everybody say silver, Silver. and gold, everybody say gold, that the king and his counselors have freely offered to the God of Israel whose dwelling is in Jerusalem with all the silver, somebody say silver, and go, somebody say go, you shall find in the whole province of Babylonia and with the freewill offerings of the people and the priests vowed willingly for the house of their God that is in Jerusalem with this money. Somebody say money. Somebody say money. Then you shall with all diligence buy bulls, rams, and lambs, and with their grain offerings and their drink offerings, and you shall offer them on the altar of the house of your God that is in Jerusalem. Now watch this, verse 18. Whatever seems good to you and your brothers to do with the rest of the silver and gold, you may do, according to the will of your God. Do whatever you want with it. Now how much gold did he give them access to? All of it. How much money did he give them access to? As much as they could think of. As much as they could imagine. And Nehemiah steps back and said, wait a second. So we had all this gold? We had all this silver? We had all this money and we couldn't restore the wall? You know, sometimes it's frustrating that we're not where we're at. Not because of something that someone else did, but it's because we didn't use the resources God gave us properly. Sometimes there's a problem and sometimes we're upset because we know all that God had given to us. We know all the opportunity that God had placed before us and something is still broken. What are the resources that God has given you and why haven't those resources been used to fix the brokenness in your life? Something's broken, church. Nehemiah would know this. Nehemiah would sit back and say, I can't believe we have a built temple and broken down walls. What good is it if we have the greatest temple ever if our security system is down? What good is it if we have constructed the highest tower, the greatest sepulchre, the greatest synagogue to God, but someone can come in and ransack it whenever they want to? Something is broken. So what's Nehemiah's response, church? What's the posture of Nehemiah to the brokenness that he sees around him? This is the only point for today. The posture of Nehemiah is brokenness. Nehemiah's posture to the broken things that happen around him is also brokenness. You see, it's a double entendre, church. When I say something's broken, I don't just mean the things outside. But it's something broken on the inside of you. I don't just mean what's happening in your life outwardly, but inwardly. Are you broken? Inwardly, is that your posture? Because, see, if it were me, I'm Nehemiah. I got all this stuff with the king. I hear my people are in exile. I hear the wall is broken down. I hear the gates are burned. I'm going to take as much as I can immediately. But what does the text say? It says he mourned, prayed, and fasted for many days. Wait a minute. There's work to do. Isn't there something that we should be putting our hands to? Isn't there something that we should get out and do? But before Nehemiah gets out and works, he says, I got to posture myself right. I got to make sure that I'm properly broken before the Lord so that God can use me the way that he needs to use me. You see, sometimes here's what we do. We say there's something that I need to get and we don't consult God about getting it. We don't consult God about getting it. We just say, "Okay, well, I know what I need to do. And then when it fails, we're shocked. We're like, but this is the right thing, God. This is what I was supposed to do. And God said, no, you did that in your strength. You didn't do that in my strength. You didn't consecrate yourself before you went out and did it. You just said, oh, I got this, God. I'm going to go ahead and do it. See, sometimes we've been so successful in our lives that God's got to bring us down a few rungs. Sometimes we've been so successful, we've been so advantaged, we've achieved so much that now we start to think. It's a creeping thought. It's a really, really faint thought. We start to think in the back of our minds, I don't really need to consult God the way that I used to. Fasting? I mean, you know, I used to do that when I was younger, when I first got saved. But man, I don't really need to fast no more. I mean, God knows my heart. Tithing? I mean, you know, I gave what I gave, you know, but... I don't really know if I need to do all that. Does it really take all that? Does it really take all that for me to get what God has called me to do? And God is saying, are you broken before me? Do you think that you can go and accomplish a whole church vision without being broken, church? It ain't possible. That's why we're fasting. That's why we're praying. That's why we're consecrating ourselves. Shouldn't we be doing something? Shouldn't we be putting systems in place and strategies and all these things? Yes, all that's great. All that's good. But what good are our systems? What good are our strategies if God ain't in them? The kingdom of God, listen, the kingdom of God ain't like corporate America. The strategies that grow Fortune 500 companies are not the strategies that grow the kingdom of God. The strategies that grow Fortune 500 companies are might and strength and money and resources and manpower. But the strategies that grow the kingdom of God are brokenness and prayer and fasting and consecration and (laughs) intercession and supplication. Are you broken, church? What is brokenness? Brokenness, watch this, write this down, write this down. Brokenness is, or take a picture of it. Brokenness is a spiritual posture of total surrender in spite of desires, circumstances, or expectations. Brokenness is the spiritual posture of total surrender in spite of desires, circumstances, or expectations. I've underlined two words there. Total surrender. Total surrender. Total surrender. You can't fix the broken things around you unless you allow that brokenness to break you. It's the only way it works. Before Nehemiah could go out and rebuild, rise up and build. Yeah, we're going to be put to work. Hold on, wait. First, consecrate yourself. Hold on, wait. Before you go and do that, pray, fast, mourn, get on your knees. This seems counterintuitive, God. Isn't this a waste of time? He's like, no, this is how my kingdom works. You have to create in yourself a brokenness that can address the brokenness outside of you. L- let, me, let me show it to you. I don't think y'all believe me. Let me show it to you. Everybody say whole church. Whole base. Right? This is where you want to be. Whole. Complete. Ready for use. Whole church. Yay! <laughs> yeah, okay. Here's where you are, though. You a little toe up. You a little toe down. Still usable, though. I mean, I can still stand um, upright. So can this whole vase. Here we go. And guess what? I got all the pieces that it broke off. <laughs> so you know what I'm going to tell God to do? Hey, God, I got the pieces. I kept the receipt. I got all the pieces. Why don't you glue this back together, and then I'll be whole again? Easy, right? And God's like, nah, I don't work like that. Wait a minute. What you mean you don't work like that? Those pieces are no good to me. What do you mean? This is the broken off part of my life, Right? This is the part of my life that got the problem. This is the part of my life that is keeping me from being whole. What you mean these pieces are no good to you? See, here's what we think. We think that if we show God part of ourselves, he's going to put together all of it with the part we think is stable and make us whole. We think that God leads us from partially broken to whole. That ain't how the kingdom of God works. This is how the kingdom of God works. God says, okay, you're partially broken. Cool. Let me break you all the way. Hold up. Wait a second, God. So what you're telling me is partially broken don't lead to whole? Oh, so here's what you want to do. You want to negotiate with God. This is the part I think is broken. This is the part I think is deficient. This is the part I think messed up. This is the part I think tore down. So here's what you do. And then we start instructing God. Like we know the process. He's, see, God, what you can do is you can glue this part right here. And then you can take this part over here. And you can take this. And God is looking at us like, hold up. Am I not the master potter? Aren't you the clay? Oh, so here's what you want to do. You want me to do the things that keep you comfortable. That's what you want to do. You want me to do it the way you want to do it. God, you can touch all this, but don't touch that. Oh, God, you can touch all these. Bro- you see, there's so much brokenness for you to work with. And God's like, what about this, though? You think that because you can stand on your own two feet, according to man, that you're totally broken before me? You think that I'm going to use you if you have committed to yourself and your own agenda? You think that I'm going to step out and say, oh, you know what? I'm going to trust you with this, but I'm going to fix all this. Why don't I just break everything down? Because, see, the problem is I don't want partial surrender. I want total surrender. (laughs) You want to be partially put together because it's comfortable. It's simple. It's easy. Oh, God can touch all this. Yeah, I know I messed up. I know I did this. God's like, no, I actually want even the parts you think are okay. If we're going to be a whole church in 2020, we got to stop overestimating ourselves. You know what? I'm pretty good. God got me. I'm not talking about what you're capable of. I'm not talking about your potential. I'm not talking about you ultimately winning. You're supposed to win. Amen? You're supposed to win. But here's the problem. You ain't going to win like man wins. You ain't going to win like the culture wins. The culture says, let us present ourselves as strong as possible. You, can I just interject this? This is a problem with social media. According to this angle, this person looks whole. So we start fantasizing and comparing ourselves based upon the whole part they're showing you. But the reality is if you turned it around, they just as broken as the rest of us, baby. You see... They just mastered angles. So here's what you see. You see the whole parts of them. I wasn't even going to go here, but let me, let, me, let, me, let me say. It ain't enough broken people in church. You stepping in the hospital, acting like you well. Oh, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I ain't struggling in 20 years. What you talking about? And then we wonder why young people don't want to come up in the church. They like, I'm so messed up. I'm just going to tell you straight up I'm messed up. And what what do we do? We could show them our brokenness, but instead we show them how put together we are. God says, the power ain't in your put together. The power is in your brokenness, church. The power is you saying, I ain't got it all together. The power is you saying, I'm weak and he's strong. The power is I'm poor and he's rich. It ain't enough broken people in church. So people think they the only ones going through something. Because the church only shows them this. We all broken. We all messed up. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sheep led astray. The way I get whole ain't by acting like I'm put together. The way I get whole is by breaking down the parts of me that I don't think need being broken down. (laughs) Sit down. Sit down. Y'all scare me. Y'all scare me. I'm not done yet. This, this This is what we do. We say God I want the wholeness, right? Okay, cool, 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 cool. I want the wholeness. All right, Bet. What does that look like for you? I want a testimony. He's like, okay, so I'm gonna put you through a test. Nah, but I just want a testimony. You could just use this as a testimony. I'm standing and then I leveled up. Ho oh, da da. I struggled. But not in the way those other people struggle. And I struggled in a good way. I just slip up sometimes. Not all the time. Just sometimes. You know, as other people, they just be doing whatever. But, you know, I be in, you know, God knows me. Me and God on a first name basis. So I don't struggle like they struggle. I struggle, you know, how the good people struggle. But, you know, if he could just take that and take my little struggle and then level me up here, I'm ready. I got my own ministry. I got my own strength. Got my own company. I'm good. He's like, no, if you want a testimony, you got to be put through a test. And the test going to be putting you all the way down to your smallest particle. So that when you come out, you don't get the idea that you stood on your own two feet and you could put yourself together with your own strength and you could do whatever is necessary in your own power. We need to stop praying prayers we don't believe, church. I want to know you as Jehovah Rapha. Well, then I got to afflict your body. You're like, wait, (laughs) whoa, I don't want you to afflict my body, God. Oh, I thought you wanted to get to know me as Jehovah Rapha. God, I'm trying to to know you as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider. Okay, I'm going to give you nothing and see how you respond when you got nothing. And the money in the bank is so low. That you looking at me thinking I done left you so that when I step in and level you up the way you supposed to be, you not ever going to look at this money that you have as though it's your source. I'm your source. See, you're not going to look at your job as your source. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. This is how we singing it though. My God. This is how you got to sing it. He's a miracle worker when you ain't got nothing. He's a miracle worker when you got crumbs. He's a miracle worker when it's so small you don't think there's any way you're going to get out. He's a miracle worker when he makes a way out of nowhere. He's a miracle worker when he takes your small and multiplies it into something great. God, I want peace. Why well, I'm going to put you in the storm so that when Jesus stands up and looks at the waves and says, peace, be still, you look at him like, oh my goodness, I know that if this God is before me, no demon from the pit of hell can be against me. God, I need love. So I'm going to make you think that everybody who's close to you hates you. I'm going to move people who are in your life, in your inner circle, out of your inner circle. And you're going to be so isolated by yourself You're going to have so much depression and anxiety. You're going to be looking around saying, did I do something wrong? And God's going to be like, that's when you find out I'm a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's when you find out that in your midnight hour, I'm going to step in and I'm going to be there with you. I want joy in the morning. What do you got to weep at night? I want a resurrection. You got to die. Do you really think God's going to let you cheat the process? Ain't no cheat codes, church. You know, when I used to play video games, what we used to do is we used to get the cheat codes. So we get past the big bosses. Still do, right? We Play them cheat codes. We put them in. You touch the, you touch the uh, buttons just right. Now, all of a sudden, you level up. And so here's what you think. You bragging to your friends that you beat the game. But you ain't passed through the test the same way they pass through. See, this is why you better be careful about looking at other people, seeing and thinking they got the favor of God just because they look hold to you. It don't mean that they've gone through the same process you've gone through. It don't mean that they've done the work. It don't mean that they've done everything they've needed without a power. See, some people present themselves as though they got it all together and know they got it fixed up. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to glory in my weakness. I'm going to be broken because I know good and well that if God didn't save me, it didn't matter who my parents were. If God didn't save me, it doesn't matter what church I went to. If God didn't save me, I would be a wretch undone. We believe that God wants to take us from partially broken to whole. Let me tell you something. Before God can touch your life, he has to first touch you. Fix my life, God. Break my life, God. Why? Why would you want God to break your life? Why would you want God to break your situation? Why would you want God to break your body? It's not that I want it. It's just I know that's the pathway to the kingdom. I know that's the entry price. Because see, here's the thing. Here's the thing people don't realize. They're like, you know what? We don't need that. We go from partially whole to whole. We good. We're going to name it and claim it. God going to make it happen. Here's the problem. See, the Bible says if you suffer with him, you'll reign with him. I want to know you. In the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings. The children of Israel knew the the acts of God. Moses knew the ways of God. How bad do you want to know the whole Christ? If you only want to know partial Christ, go from partial whole to fully whole. Cool. You only know a part of it. But I think there's a few people in this house today. Who are saying, God, if you break me down to my smallest particle, if you break me down to where I ain't got none, I'm broken, but I'm in your hands. So I know you can put me back together. I'm broken, but but it's okay because I know my ladder is going to be greater than my former. I'm broken, but you know it's okay because I'm just going to go ahead and arrange these pieces for you. Because you know what? At the end, I'm going to have a testimony that if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side... What needs to be broken in your life? Can you, sit down, sit down. I'm not done yet. Sit down. What needs to be broken in your life? Your heart needs to be broken. You need to, come on, come on. You already know where I'm going. You already know where I'm going. <laughs> Woo! Your heart needs to be broken, church. Your heart enlarges by the fact that it's broken through grief and loss. If it's broken, that means it's going to grow for the capacity to handle not just the feelings of love and care, but the feelings of grief, loss, and betrayal. That's why God lets your heart be broken. What also needs to be broken? Your pride. You better stop caring what people think about you in 2020. If I signed up to be a servant of man, I wouldn't be. In the kingdom of God. Why are we so obsessing about what people say about us? Why do we care? I don't care if it's your family, your close friends, your third cousin twice removed, your boss, your co-worker, your neighbor, your Facebook friend, your Twitter follower. Who cares what they think? If God told us to do it, we got to do it. But you got to break your pride. You got to make it seem like you're being rejected. Everybody hates me. Good. So now you won't look at yourself as though you you, you all that in a bag of chips. You got to break your will. You realize that the reason. It's going to mess with some of y'all. You realize that the reason God hasn't taken you from here to there is because. Your will won't let you let go of one piece that you feel like you need to be whole. God, you can take all this, but don't take her out of my life. Don't take him. Don't take this. Oh, this is part of my identity. And if you put it in my life, why would you put it in my life if I wasn't supposed to use it? God is going to have to break some of our hips. He's going to have to break some of our hands so that our will will die so they can fill it with the things we really supposed to be holding on to. He got to break your expectations. Your expectation is if I write a resolution, it's going to get done. Your expectation is everything going to change on January 1, 2020, new year, new me. God said, why don't you sign up for a lifelong journey with me? And I'm going to expand you and grow you every single year. But it may not look the way that other people's journey looks. You got an expectation because you're watching everybody else that your journey is supposed to be like their journey. supposed to be like her journey. supposed to be like his journey. You got to break your control. I had it all planned out. And God laughs. You think you're going to control your life? Really? God, I got anointed. I'm supposed to be the king. Okay, David, wait 17 years. Roam around with your mighty men. Have the king trying to kill you. But God, you anointed me. I thought you anointed me, I killed Goliath, and then I'm king. Boom, boom, boom. God is like, if you think you can control your life, you're never going to submit to my process. Perspective. Some of us been thinking the same way for so long. I'm sorry. Some of us been thinking the same way for so long that we don't think we need to learn anything else. Because we just cling to the thing we learned years ago. Worked then, it's going to work now. Behold, I do a new thing. I'm about to close. I'm sorry. I'm about to close. Three things about brokenness. This is it. Three things about brokenness. Number one, brokenness invites the presence of God. Brokenness invites the presence of God. Look at Psalms 3418. Write this down. The Lord is near. Everybody say near. near. Near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. When Jesus came, Jesus was not hanging at the king's house. He was hanging around the people who were perceived to be broken. He was hanging around the people who were perceived to be out of step with society. He was hanging around the marginalized. He was hanging around the outcast. And we think that cozying up to comfort is going to make the presence of God come to us. I need you broken down so that I can truly put you back together the way you're supposed to be. See this? I can't flow through this. I can't flow through it. I can get in, but I can't go through. It's got too much structure. It's got too much that it said it already knows better than God. That ain't God. Why? Because it makes you uncomfortable? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Why is God near to the brokenhearted? Because that's the same way Jesus was handled by society. Watch this. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. King James, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace upon him, and with his stripes we are? But he had to be broken first. The healing power of God can't flow through a vessel that thinks it's got it all together. Number two, brokenness proves you're serious about change. Brokenness invites the presence of God. Brokenness proves you're serious about change. You ever had somebody ask you for advice and then try to argue with you about the advice you gave them? That's that face you give me like. Oh, but I thought you didn't know. <laughs> you came to me. I wasn't looking for you to give you advice. You came to me and what you said is, hey, I need some help with this. And then when I start trying to give you help, well, you say, no, nah, it ain't going to work like that. <laughs> Wait a second. I thought you needed help. And then what do you do? You just say, all right, what does that say about that person? That says they love their dysfunction too much to change. Again, we need to stop praying prayers we don't believe. Stop singing songs we ain't willing to live out. If we sing it, we better mean it. I want patience, God. Okay. I want peace, God. Okay. I want joy, God. Okay. But God sits back. And he observes how serious we are. And then he responds. Psalm 51, 10, verse 17. Verse 10 and verse 17. This is what David prays. He, he prays, Create in me a. And renew a. Verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a. Creating me a clean heart, oh God. Okay, I got to break it. Whoa, whoa, I didn't ask for that. I said create a clean heart. He said, no, no, no the only way I clean it is I break it. I got to give you a new one. That one messed up. I got to give you a new one. The only way is if you're broken. If you're broken, that's how God knows you're serious. Quick note before I close. If you really want God to show up mightily in 2020, you got to act like you mean it. Some of us need to break our routine, rip the roof off, and then God going to show up. But the problem is we've kept our same routine and try to have God bless what we're doing rather than doing what God is blessing. Finally, brokenness unlocks the provision of God. Brokenness unlocks the provision of God. Brokenness invites the presence of God. Brokenness proves we're serious about change. Brokenness unlocks the provision of God. I have in my hand this phone. Had this phone for years. And I had to put this phone up because I broke it, as you can see. It's a cracked screen. Now the phone still works, but it's just got glass particles in my thumb, right? You know, you don't want to do that. Got kids, you got little glass particles that are sitting around, right? And so I was so upset. You know, when you break your phone, you get really upset, right? That's the most frustrating thing is when you break that electronic device. Unless you're due for an upgrade. Let you be due for the iPhone 11. Oh, man, I can't believe it. Yes, God. I'm going to get 128 gigs, 264 gigs. I'm ready. Some of us need to stop bemoaning the fact that certain things in our lives are broken and start believing that God's going to give us something new. You're due for an upgrade, church. But my life is broken. It don't matter. He's going to replace it. But I can still put it together. I can still use it. I can still make calls. I can still check. I can still do this. I can still text. No, no, no. I'm trying to upgrade you. So I got to put this away. But come on, God, it's not that bad. Listen, do you hear me? I'm trying to upgrade you. But before I can upgrade you, you got to take the thing that's broken and hand it into me. You got to turn in your brokenness so that you can get something that will provide newness for you. You got to turn in the thing that's messed up so I can give you something that's fully functional. You got to turn in something that's broken so I can give you something that's all put together. Do you hear me, church? I want provision. Be broken. I need a miracle. Be broken, church. I need a breakthrough. Be broken. Lift your hands right now. Lift your hands. The brokenness. Something's broken. Is it you? Is it you? And some of us need to right now with our eyes closed. We need to affirm once again that we are not our own. Our lives are not our own. Our strength is not in our own hands. Our strength is not in our own might. But our strength is in God. And God works in mysterious, unconventional, uncomfortable ways. But it's for His glory and it's for our good. So that no flesh may glory in His presence. So that no one may come in arrogant. So that no one may come in prideful. So that no one may come in self-assured. Father, I pray that you would release brokenness in this atmosphere. That the tears would fall. That the spirit would be broken. That the will would be molded into a will that no longer thinks that it has it all together. May we stop showing people the parts of ourselves that are so whole that they would never think we came from anything. May we stop acting as though God ain't still working on us. May we not cheat the process which says the only pathway to wholeness is through brokenness. We invite your presence here to come and break our hearts for the things that they need to be broken for. As you feel that you are once again wanting to make a a fresh commitment to be broken before God, If you feel that, I want you to slowly stand to your feet, just as you feel it, as you feel that now I'm making a decision to be broken. I'm making a decision. It's not my own strength. It's not my own might. It's not my own power. It's not my own understanding. It's not my own. It's not my own will. Not my own control. Not my own expectations. Not my own self-assuredness. And we're not moving on. God wants to deal with the deep heart issues. Some of us think we can be whole church. Some of us think we can go to the next level and not get uncomfortable. It's a lie, it's the original lie. That's what the devil told Jesus in the wilderness. He said, You can have it all. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Just worship me. He had to say, Get behind me, Satan. There ain't no cheat code. You have to give yourself away, church. You have to give yourself away. That's the only way. That's the only way it works. Will you lift your hands as the choir sings? in the at- atmosphere of worship. It's time to lay it down. It's time to put on the altar. Away, it's time to give it up. So you can use me. Give myself away. God, use me. Well, you have to give yourself away. Oh, yeah. Give myself so away. You- so you even if you don't believe it. Make your heart believe it. Give myself away so you can use me. Here I am. Here I am, yes. Here I am. says, here I stand. desires, I not my ready, plans, ready, revealed in me. So I give, give, myself myself, away. give myself away. Oh, come on, worship him now, church. Give yourself away to give him afresh. Be truly broken before give him. So you, so you, Don't you hear me, church? This is a, a vision. We talk about it. It's not just whole person. It's not just whole me. It's whole church, right? It's whole church, right? It's whole church, right? Doesn't just mean, hear me, that individually we have to give something away. We got to give something away, too all our dreams all our plans all our pride all our control all our expectations all our perspective can't cling to it we can't act as though we're going to go from partially whole to whole it's not just you that needs to be broken it's not just me that needs to be broken we need to be broken I don't, don't care what people think about us. I don't care what people think about us. I don't care what people think about us. I I ain't sitting up late at night fretting about what somebody gonna say about New Dimensions. Hallelujah. I'm saying there is much more territory for us to accomplish. There is much more territory for us to expand to. Oh, yes, God. There is much more mission for us to do. Let them say whatever they want to say. Enough. Because let me tell you, I'm not going to let nobody make me hold on to the pride of other people. So bad that God can't break me down to my smallest particle. Yeah. Yeah, we broken. God going to make us whole because we broken. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah! We afraid of. Listen, listen, hear me, hear me, listen. I don't care who it is. Come on. Don't nobody got power over a church. God's church. Don't nobody got power over God's church. That includes me. That includes us. Don't nobody got power. God gonna do with this church what God wants to do with this church. And I'm gonna let him take control. And he gonna have all the credit. And he gonna get all the praise. And he gonna get all the glory. And he gonna get all the honor. Not a one of us is going to give an account one day for what somebody said about us. Oh, well, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, I was checking Facebook, and it looks like January 2020. Look at this comment section. Do you think God is taking a poll? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Do you think God is checking in with people, seeing if they give permission to Him to move in a certain way? Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We got to give it up. It's God. We trust him. We trust him. That's it. What's going? On? I don't know. We trust God. And you better mean it because that's the way God's going to take us from broken to whole, church. That's the way God's going to take us from partially whole to whole. I felt led in my spirit to say that because there are so many of us. There are so many of us it's a stronghold in our mind, the opinions of people, the opinions of friends, the opinions of close associates. For God we live and for God we die. Hallelujah! I'm not just saying it just to say it. I'm not just saying it because I'm standing up here. I'm saying it because I have never been more hopeful and confident about the future of this church than today never not because I'm preaching not because I stand up and say something to you but because I believe the word of God I done been through some things he done put me down to my smallest particle in ways I'm going to tell you about one day and I'm so down to this small particle I'm like God you got to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think Because you wouldn't have let me go through all this if you didn't have this ready for me at the end. Lift your hands. I'm done. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. hands. Father, this church, this body of believers will be a submitted body. We We will be a broken body. We don't need the opinions and the approval of other people to do what you have called us to do. God forbid If we become timid based upon what somebody else thinks, how dare we? If God is for us, who can be against us? We love you. We pray for you. Praise God. But we're going to keep doing what God has called us to do in his power, in his spirit. God, would you put some boldness in your people? The righteous are as bold as a lion. We speak faith. We speak optimism. We speak hope. We speak joy. We speak peace. We speak love. We speak life, not death. Church, you will live and not die. I said we will live and not die. I said we will live and not die. die.